something a while ago, the battle for evil that has shown all of his hands right now. There's not much left. Then there's the power of goodness of Almighty God. We are about to see a clash of the titans. A titan is one that is gigantic in size or power. The enemy thinks he is the titan, Dr. Bill. He thinks he's a titan. No way that he's about to run up against the real power that cannot be defeated. We will stand. We will fight in the spirit realm. The clash of the titans is getting close. The clash is, we're watching it right now. But we will defeat the enemy through the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. Tom, uh, Dan, give us some more of that. Tom, get ready to come up. I'll let you do your thing with the sound first. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. In the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, every chain of the enemy's break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. If you have some chains on your life that you brought with you, now's the time. Lay them out before the Lord. Put them in His mighty, powerful name, His mighty, powerful hands. Trust His word.
I am your Lord, your God. I have heard your cries and prayers. Don't be discouraged. Don't worry. For I am your Lord, your God, ready for battle. I will not stand for evil any longer. And I will not stand for my church being pushed out of this nation. No longer, I say. I will stand for my people. There will no longer be attacked against the church. For I am bankrupting heaven's angels down on this land. And I'm asking for my remnant church to rise into the battle with us. And I am sending on angels. No longer sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. No more, no more, no more. Come on, come on, come on. We're right here. Let's blow the lid off. Let's blow the lid off. Come on, shout, 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 shout. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. I want us to be totally silent up here for a minute. No noise. No noise anywhere. We serve our King. Jesus is the solution to everything going on in this nation. We have to be as one, serving Him. I want you on the count of three as loud as you can. To say one word, Jesus, as loud as you can. Let the people driving by hear us. Let the demons of hell run in fear. On three, Jesus. One, two, Jesus! That was pretty good. We scared a couple demons out on the streets. I want you to strain your vocal cords. He hears us. This is for us. On three, shout as loud as you can. One, two, three. Jesus! Woo! 
Let the lion roar. Let the lion roar. Woo, yes. The lion of Judah. Wow. Let me ask you something. How are you hearing from God? First and foremost, we better be eating the word right now. It better be our number one source. Turn the news off. Turn everything off. What is he saying through his word now? If we're not reading his word, we're in trouble this day we're in. He also speaks through dreams and visions. You know, last week, Joe Ember shared how an angel visited her. That was a beautiful thing to have. He, he gave you peace in the midst of the storm that the world is going through. That's a beautiful moment. You'll never forget it. But he speaks through dreams and visions. If you're not getting dreams and visions, I encourage you to ask God to give you dreams and visions. Tom shared a beautiful experience he had about four in the morning or so. Tom, come on up and... You can stand, sit, whatever you want to do. Thank you. I knew better than this. Um, I shared this with Terry. I, you know, I've been telling him for eight years. I sit behind the soundboard because I don't like talking in front of people, but I guess they're not listening to me. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, Tammy invited me and my wife to go to uh, a coffee house last night up in Kannapolis called The Holy Grind. And they had a Christian band there playing um, called Mercy Falls. And the owner and the leader of the band started talking about same things like you've been been at our church for the last couple of months about as the church slipped, this is what's happened to the world. And it's time for us to stand up and do what we're supposed to do and not lay down and let, you know, we're supposed to change the world, not let the world change the church. Um, so we ended up in a prayer circle holding hands with everyone in there declaring to wake up and stand up. And as we prayed, I kept hearing the words to the anthem, one of my favorite songs, that says, wake up, child, it's your time to shine. This time, the words were, wake up, church, it's your time to shine. You were born for such a time as this. So the whole night was about wake up, church. So we ended up just having church in this old coffee house last night. It was just totally amazing. Um, so about 4 o'clock this morning, I had this dream. Um, I was walking down a road that I'd walked before and decided to take a shortcut down a trail that I saw. I ended up on someone's property. Two large dogs suddenly appeared and chased me up to the owner's house. I apologized to the owner, and he said that I could leave. As I walked away, the dogs appeared in front of me again and chased me back to the house. He told me to try going around the back door, but the dogs were there again. No matter which way I went, they were always there. After three tries, I get back up there. The owner was standing at a table with a gun and a Bible on it. He said the gun had one bullet in it. He told me that one dog was the lead dog and the other dog was a follower. He said if I shot the lead dog, the other dog would lay down and let me pass. If I shot the wrong dog, the other dog would instantly attack me. So I looked at the table, and I picked up the Bible, and I said, This is the word of truth, and the truth will set me free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Both dogs immediately laid down, and I walked right past them, and I immediately woke up. So as I was pondering on the dream, 
uh, the Lord revealed that the dogs represent the sin and evil in the world. And every time we try to take a shortcut, we end up facing the evil. Every time we try to walk around it a different way, it will be right there at the next door. The only way to make the evil lie down is by speaking the word of God and choosing to trust him over all other options. Um, that I then thought about Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den when he refused to stop praying to God. He trusted God and God shut the mouths of the lions and delivered him without any harm. Then my thoughts turned to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they refused to bow down and worship King Nebuchadnezzar and his idol. They were thrown into the fiery furnace and again came out unharmed. Then I saw <clears throat> a link on my phone that asked the question, why did God deliver them from the fire? The answer that was given was this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted in the God they could not see in the face of a fire they could see. They trusted God and no threat was going to sway them. It did not matter to them if they died that day. Their decision to trust the Lord showed Nebuchadnezzar that one true God had real power. In both situations, God's power was made clear to the government of that time. As Christians today, we are already and will be facing trials and situations where we have to decide if we are going to conform to the world or stand firm in God and trust him to deliver us in the face of death and evil. When we refuse to bow down to the world, God's almighty power will again be made known and will not be allowed to be ignored by those in power. As individuals, every time we do this and a doubter sees us come through the trial stronger than we went in, he will start changing what they believe. One by one, until the USA once again becomes one nation united under God. Thank you. Powerful. You know, in the day we're living in, uh, would someone help me move this back? In the day we're living in, we really need to be open to Holy Spirit, to the, to the supernatural. We need to be open to dreams and signs and wonders. And we also need to be able to discern where they're from. You know, uh, dreams can come from a lot of different sources. They can come from TV. They can come from your flesh. They can come, you know, just from God and Holy Spirit. If you're following us in the reading, you'll you notice last week that angels appeared to Joseph to tell him, to warn him to to leave and then to warn, tell him when it was time to come back. I'm talking about Joseph, Mary's husband. Why would we think that they would, uh, God would use anything less today than he did then? If you go into the book of Acts, you see where angels were very, very operative in the book of Acts. We see it also that the, the word of God tells us that they're ministering spirits to us who are heirs of salvation. Why would we not expect angels and dreams and signs and wonders? And I want you to stand because I want to pray for us. I'm going to ask Terry to come and help me uh, pray this prayer. If you have a desire to be more open to signs and wonders and miracles, visions, dreams, I want you to put your hand on your head and we're going to pray for an, an awakening in our spirit man. And I'm going to ask Terry to pray because he is, has a, such a seer gift that God has just 
just blessed him with. But remember, the purpose is for the what? The edification of the body. It's not just so we can go and and put on our Facebook page, we had this cool dream. Everything God gives us is for someone else. It's to benefit some. I was blessed by what Tom just said to us. I'm blessed that we hear other people saying almost verbatim what we've been saying at Impact, and we're not the only ones. So I'm, I'm going to put my hands on my head and I'm asking God to open up my spirit man to receive from him signs, wonders, miracles, visions, dreams, and all of that. Thank you, God. I want to say something. In 2005, I didn't have any dreams or visions at all until Chuck Pierce and Dutch Sheets laid their hands on me and prayed. And God opened up heaven for the last 15 years. Not that I'm special, I'm not. Thank you, but Each one of you need to be hearing from God right now, today. Before I pray, I want you just to, I'm going to invite Holy Spirit. He's here. Just, you can quietly, you can, in your your head, pray in the Spirit for a minute to get your spirit settled. Siri, this is not the time to be talking. See, that interruption we don't need. Siri knew we were getting ready to go into the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit or pray silently for a moment and just invite Holy Spirit to saturate your spirit. God, we speak a release of Holy Spirit into every life that's here and that's watching. God, when we ask of you in faith believing, you promised you would, you would meet that request. God, I'm asking you this morning, everyone here is asking you this morning on watching on social media. God, we're praying for a download, a supernatural download of signs, wonders, and miracles, but dreams and visions, Lord. God, I pray you would open up the spirit man of every believer in this room and watching us. God, let them beginning tonight, today, Lord, even open up and have visions, have dreams from you, God. And God, let it be so unmistakable as from you. They'll know in their spirit is holy God sending forth and speaking to them through a dream or a vision. God, I pray that every barrier is broken. We, We pray that anointing would saturate right now this room and those watching. Let your spirit just open up their spirit man. God, we're believing that you're about to move in lives that have never heard you speak in that way. And those that do experience it, they're going to a new level. They're going to experience you like they never have before. So we release right now that anointing for dreams and visions on this body. We release that right now in the name of Jesus. That Holy Spirit begins to speak in a new way and the receptivity of everyone in here will be open in the name of Jesus. You know, there's a scripture that says, without a vision, a prophetic revelation is what that means, people perish. Without a word from God, people perish. And in the time of Samuel and Eli, it said there were no, not many open, vi- or there was no open vision in that day. In other words, God wasn't speaking. 
God wants to speak to us today. God wants to declare his will to us today. You know, about three weeks ago, you can sit down, I had a dream and I had no clue. I thought it was just a frivolous thing. Never really gave it any thought until about a week later when I realized I learned a few things. But I dreamed that Vice President Pence was in that chair right back there, sitting beside the uh, family table. And he was just laid out like he was under the influence of some type of medication or drug. It was like it was hard to even get his attention. And I remember thinking, wow, that's strange <laughs> that he would just kind of lay out like that, you know. And I never—I just really woke up and thought, well, that was interesting. And only a couple of, I guess maybe not even a week later, I realized the role that he was going to have uh, this past week. And I fully understood the the, uh, what Terry actually had clued me in on a couple of things, but I fully understood then what all of that really meant, that we needed to pray for that man for wisdom and boldness and that he would do the right thing. And so, you know, we, we can't, you know, why did God give me that dream just so I could know that? And he gave me that dream so we could pray. He gave me that dream for the benefit of this nation and benefit of God's people. And we need to know how to pray. We need to know how to hear from God so we could discern his will. I only want to pray his will, don't you? And I want us to pray for our nation now, and, and I'm, I'm going to ask Bill if you would come forward, Bill, and pray for this nation. We have the greatest nation on the face of the earth, regardless of what we see. We have extremes going on in our nation. We have uh, duplicity of values, and we have compromises. But you know what? God, God's will is that we have a righteous nation. That's his will. So we should have no trouble praying for our nation. Father God, we just come before you today with our hearts wide open. We ask for an infilling of your Holy Spirit. We ask for an opening of the eyes of our hearts and the ears of our hearts so that we can see what you're doing and join alongside, so we can hear what you're saying and we can declare and decree your words. Lord, we've been on a prayer journey as a church for the last number of months. And we have come before you and we've confessed our sins. We've repented for our country. And you have heard our prayers. And you are in the process of healing our land. And we thank you, Lord, because we know you are the only one who can heal our land. At first, it was just about an election and two people. And then it was about what they stood for. And then as time went on, we have seen that it is a cosmetal between good and evil. An evil that is being exposed for what it is. An evil that has tried to take over our nation, to turn us away from you, to continue the culture of death and destruction, and to enslave people and to turn us from you and from hearing your voice and being able to worship. And Lord, we know that is against your will, and we have stood and said no. The angel armies we have released into this battle, and Lord, you tell us that the battle is yours and the victory is ours. And so we stand right now. We will not give up. We will not back up. We will not move from our stance that you are the Lord of our nation. 
and America will be a sheep nation. You have a purpose and a destiny for America. We were birthed in that. The only nation in the world that was dedicated to you on its birth. 400 years ago, that cross was planted in the ground and a covenant was made with you that from this nation, the gospel of the kingdom will be told and carried throughout the world. And we will be a blessing to many, many other nations that they may grow in the knowledge and love of you and become a sheep nation also. So Lord, we just stand thankful. We stand in your victory. We know Satan is a defeated foe. He is chained. He has no teeth. And he will not win this battle. And Lord, we look forward to what's going to happen over the next number of days. And we know you are in control and you will have your way. So, Lord, we just give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. You are an awesome God, and we stand in awe of you. And we look forward to the mighty move of your spirit that you're going to send over our nation. There will be a revival that will be unbelievable, and we get to be part of it. So, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing on our behalf and on behalf of the nation. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask Leslie to come up here. I know you look at me like, I either you either have something you can release over the church and or a prayer that needs to go forth. I know you're filled up inside with the word of God. I just felt the need to ask you to come up if there's anything you've, feel the Spirit say, or if there's just a prayer you can release over us, if you would do that. Sorry for the three-second notice. Who's reading through the Bible with us this year? So the one thing that really stood out to me when I was reading over Abraham, and he was praying for Lot, and he said, you know, he got bold. He gets bold with God. He kind of get in his face and, and take what belongs to him. And he said, far be it from you, Lord. Far be it from you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And so, you know, I believe that when, when we are obedient, I say obedient, that's not really probably the right word, but when when we are encouraged as a church body to do something together and we do that and walk in it. These words, if we'll take hold of, what is God saying for me today? This word that we're taking to war with, what is he saying today? And so I really, that that just went off in me and I, I've meditated on that all week. And so I would just, I don't know if I have anything to release or not other than I say, take hold of the word of God and let it become so alive in you that Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God belongs to you. It'll get in your mouth. It'll get in your heart, and it will accomplish the thing that it was meant to accomplish. Powerful. Thank you. See, that's a prophetic word of encouragement, though. That's an utterance from inside of her spirit that God brought out. So thank you, Leslie.
I had this scripture and I wasn't going to do it because then I came, came in and found out that Tom had it in his, his dream. And, but I'm thinking I'm going to go ahead and, and this was just in my heart this morning as I was just, you know, praying and meditating with the Lord. The Lord took me to Daniel and, uh, and specifically 15 through 18. But I love the way the NLT puts this because we live in a day of compromise. And we have to ask ourselves, what, it, what line are we going to draw? Remember back in March, I felt the Lord had said that, that, that we have to draw a line as a church, we have to draw a line as a nation, and we have to draw a line as people. What point won't we cross over? What point, what is it that's going to be more important to us than our personal walk with the Lord? And then this, I want you to listen to this, but I'm going to try to emphasize it the way that I interpreted it. It says, I will give you one, this is Nebuchadnezzar, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you're going to be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? And then it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, this is, this is the part that really just jumped out. Even if he does it, we want to make it really clear to you. We're going to make it really clear to you, O majesty, that we're never going to serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Can we say that ourselves? What, what, you know, let me make it real clear to the demons in hell. Let me make it real clear to the evil people that are trying to rule and run this nation. We're going to make it real clear. We're not bowing down our knee to you. We're not giving up. We still believe what God says about this nation. We're not going to give in to the, you know, to the influences of Hollywood and sport. I love the prophecy that we played in prayer last night. It was a, a recent release from Kent Christmas, the prophet that was here last, uh, well, he wasn't here, but he was on the screen last week. But he, he released a word this uh, Monday, I believe it was, the 4th. And he said, God is really, he's really honing, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, he's really honing the church, so to speak pruning the church and he there's a great revival coming there's a great revival coming and he says it's going to be the righteous and the holy and the no names that God is going to use and he says he's going to be sitting down some people who have compromised who have kept him out of their churches who've compromised the word who would not allow him to enter in with his presence that's where we're at today. That's how serious where we are as a nation is today. This nation was created to spread the gospel. We were created, we were formed to, to spread the gospel. And that's not changing. And why, why do you think people are going after the churches? Why do they want to shut down the churches? Because they don't want the, the enemy does. It's not about a person. We've said this for years. It's not about a people a person is not about a party. It's about an evil force that wants to stop the gospel from being spread throughout. That's what it's all about. And if we don't see that, we get into a lot of division, strife, and wars, which we're in today. What we're doing is we're, we're fighting wars, but are we going to lose the battle? You can win a war and lose the battle. Or you can lose a war and win the battle. Right? So today, I, uh, I want to speak about the unshakable kingdom. We live in an unshakable kingdom, but we're living in a shaking world, aren't we? How many of you feel like your world has been shaken over the recent months? 
Well, since this whole year is all about COVID, right? I mean, what are we, we're wearing masks everywhere. And you see one side that says masks only make healthy people sick. And then you see another side that says the flu is down because people have been wearing masks and social distancing. But COVID is up because people aren't wearing masks and they aren't social discipline, discipline, distancing. And so we're thinking we're getting two sides of a story, you know, either we're, either masks work or masks don't work, right? So we, we need to, we need truth, don't we? You hear one side and, and you know, it, let me tell you something. We were talking this morning. There's extremes on both sides. And somewhere in the middle is the real truth. So let's don't get caught up in the extremes. Okay? Everybody's wanting a platform. Everybody's wanting to tell their story. But let's, if, that's why I say war with the word in 2021. We've got to be able to hear, we've got to be able to hear God's voice in 2021. How many want to hear the voice of the Lord? Hebrews 1 says, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, how's he going to speak to us? Through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Now you say, what about the prophets? Well, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That's what the word tells us. So if we have prophets prophesying, it should be the testimony that's coming out of the mouth of Christ, right? Should be coming from the throne room. People tell me all the time when they miss it, They'll say, well, you know, we only prophesy in part. I say, I see that in Scripture, but I don't see that you prophesy in error. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. We need to know who we're listening to. But let me tell you, if you don't have the word in you, you're not going to go tilt when something comes out weird. Right? And let me tell you, prophets can be weird, so don't just discount them if they don't look like they <laughs> think they should. There's a couple that look pretty strange, but I'm telling you, they may be hearing from God. So, you know, we don't want to just judge it on outside appearances. But we are living in a, a world that is shaking. But you know, it was prophesied through the scripture. That in the last days, he was going to shake the earth and shake the heavens. So is this, should we be caught up with it? We just happen to be in the last days. I'm so excited that we get to live in these days that we can have a part, that we can speak into the heavens. We can be that ecclesia that can shift atmospheres and shift cities and shift governments. Aren't you excited about that? We should be excited. Psalm 11.3 says, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the right do? We can pray. When the found, what are the foundations? This right here. This is the, isn't that right, Kelly? I see your post. Boy, your girl, you're right on it. This is the foundation of the world. That's a smart lady right there. She's strong. You need to get on her Facebook page because she's encouraging. She's good. But we've seen the foundations of our nation slowly be etched away, and especially over the last 50 years. Pastor Zach asked us, we, were, we went away on a little um, pastoral retreat this week, and coming back, he asked us, he said, now in your lifetime, I guess that meant since you guys are old, he said, <laughs> I guess that was a nice way of saying it, you know. <laughs> He said, where do you think it began? Well, probably before our lifetime, it had already started. But where we saw, and we both agreed, that where we saw the biggest shift was in the 60s. Those of you that were living in the 60s and old enough to remember. It was probably in the 60s. And then we know that in 1962, the Bible was removed from schools in our nation. So when the Supreme Court, who was the the voice of authority in the judicial of a nation, it makes a law and it's against the word of God, we open up the doors for the enemy to come in. So we have to understand how significant, it's not just all where they decided, it's no big, no, we opened up a door for the enemy to come in. 
And so William Jeans is an educational expert, and he says it is unmistakable the ramifications of this decision. This is what he's, and I don't know if this guy's a Christian or not, but this is what he said. Academic achievement plummeted, including SAT scores. There was an increase in out-of-wedlock births. There was an increase in illegal drug use. There's been an increase in juvenile crime. And then there's been a deterioration of school behavior in general. Other facts, he said, from 1940 to 1962, these are the top five complaints of teachers. Talking, chewing gum, making noise, running in the hall, and getting out of line. Anybody remember that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I remember even, I don't know, I guess I was, I was, I guess I was a kid in the 60s, 70s, 70s, I guess. But anyway, I can remember, I can remember, I'm trying to think of when I was in school. It's been so long, I can't even remember. But anyway, I only got one paddling my whole entire educational career. One paddling. And my tea, I'll never forget, her name was Miss Fisher, and she taught science. And she was about this big around, and she scared us to death. But she was a fantastic teacher. But she took me out in the hall, and she said, bend over, and she went, pow, like that, and it was for chewing gum, chewing gum in class. I was, I was terrible, yeah. And I probably cried, and I don't know what else I did. I don't remember, but I didn't chew gum again. There's such a thing as respect for authority, isn't it, which we don't have today. So what followed in sixty in the sixties was the free love movement, and I, you know, the the on advent or the on oncoming of the birth control thing, where you know free just you know no, no responsibility. We've even done away with that now. There's forget the birth control, just kill the kid. So in sixty three, I mean, we had the free love movement, the legalization of abortion. Now there's over sixty some million babies that have died because of this. I have a friend whose mother goes to an Episcopal church, and she said her priest said to the church, like it or not, I don't care if you like it or not, I'm a one-issue man, and that's abortion. And I'm pretty much the same way. We know that abortion brings a curse on the land, and our judicial system has opened the door for the enemy to bring that curse upon our nation. So we have to really consider who, who we have in office. But while the kingdoms of the world were crumbling, the kingdom of God stood strong. Regardless of all of this, we know that the kingdom of heaven is unshakable. And there's a big difference between the two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of God. That's all there is. There's, there's no gray area in between. There's no half God, half darkness. I'm going to play here. I mean, that's what Christians have tried to do. I'm, I'm going to play in the, in the world in the kingdom of darkness Monday through Saturday. And Sunday I'm going to come in and I'm going to be holy and pious. And I'm going to proclaim the goodness of God. It doesn't work that way. But let me tell you, there is a fixed kingdom, and that kingdom is of God. What are the kingdoms of the world? You know, and I had never really thought about this until yesterday, actually. You know, we've talked a lot about the mountains of influence, the seven cultural mountains, and I got to thinking, I thought, these are really kingdoms of the world. These are really kingdoms of the world. In 1975, God gave three men a very similar dream, three men, Bill Bright, from uh, a, a campus crusade for Christ, I think. Was that right? Bill Bright, campus crusade for Christ. Lauren Cunningham and Francis Schaefer, we all know as a great author and theologian. They believed that the Lord showed them that these seven areas were required to shape a nation or a world for God. 
They believe, and they were to come together, and sh- that God gave them these, this dream individually. They were to come together and encourage each other with this message. So God gave these men a similar dream to share to each other. He's supernatural. We're talking about uh, supernatural dreams. We're talking about visions. But he, he supernaturally confirmed this spiritual insight into restoring our nation for God. This was back in 1975, just after abortion had been made legal. What if we had heeded the call? And I believe that these are more than just worldly kingdom, uh, worldly influence. I believe they're worldly kingdoms. I think they're all kingdoms. You think about the kingdom of, of arts and entertainment, how it affects family values. You think about the kingdom of the church. I'm talking about religion, not God's ecclesia. I'm just talking about that, ch- that mountain called church or religion. As the church goes, so goes the nation. We've been saying this for forever. It started many years ago. Abraham Lincoln said it. We talk about the, the educational kingdom, how it affects government. You have children growing up through decades where there's no influence of God's word in the schools, and many times that was the only influence they got because they would go home to godless homes. Now they, they don't have that influence in the school. So now these people are government. Are we surprised? Are we surprised? How about business? Godly business. How does it affect our church? How does it affect our family? How does it affect our cities? We've got a lot of entrepreneurs in here and say our goal is to buy the city. You know what I mean? If you establish enough Christian businesses, you can control your city. That's what we want to do. We want to put godly people in Christian businesses and have Christian influences. But we have to admit, don't we, that these kingdoms, all these things that I mentioned, the church, business, education, the family, government, media, that's another one, religion, all in itself, we have to admit that these things are shaking. Every one of them shaking. The word that Kent Christmas gave on his January 4th message was that he's no longer going to allow Hollywood to control the minds of people. And he said sports and Hollywood have become idols and they think they're coming back, but he says, I'm not going to let them. That's where it came through this prophet. People have made sports and Hollywood idolatries, idols. What causes the shaking in this kingdom? And Isaiah 14, just quickly, Isaiah 14. We know that the Lord is speaking to the king of Babylon, but we also know in this scripture that he's looking through him and he's seeing the spirit that's driving him. We could do this with probably 90% of those that are in government leadership today. We could talk to them and we look at the spirit that's driving them. And this is what he says. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. Who's he talking about? Lucifer. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. Can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? We're fighting, just as, just as they were fighting demonic forces, we are fighting demonic forces today in our nation. Demonic forces want to kill babies. Demonic forces want a, want a, a perverted sexuality in our nation because it's, how do I know they're demonic? Because they're totally against the word of God. We have got to pray. We've got to believe what the word of God says. We war with the word. And you cannot support these things and support the word of God at the same time. That's why that priest said, I'm a one-issue person. You kill babies, I want nothing. I don't care what else good things you're going to do. You kill a baby, that's the greater sin. 
You, you kill babies, the blood is on the land. Just like the Lord told Cain, he said, your brother's innocent blood is crying out to me. And he placed the curse on Cain. Do we think we're going to get by with that in our nation? We can just kill, wipe out 62 million babies and God's going to be okay. Well, God's under grace. No, God's, that's not grace. That's not grace. That's sin. That's sin. So we understand that the kingdoms of the world serve a different God than those of us in the unshakable kingdom of God. My question is, are you in the unshakable kingdom of God today? Are you and I in the unshakable kingdom of God? Where are we? What shakes us out of the kingdom of God? What causes us to compromise? What causes us to cross the line? Hebrews twelve twenty six through 29 says, The earth was rocked at the sound of the voice from the mountains. And I'll give you a little handout. And on the back of that, it's just a little, I just want you to understand where we're coming from in this scripture right here. Two months after Moses brought Israel out of Egypt, they were led to Mount Sinai and God instructed the people to come to the mountain. So Moses placed a boundary or God placed a boundary. Moses enforced it around the mountain and he said, any person, any animal that touches this mountain is going to be destroyed. Because of the holiness of God. See, God gives us how he wants us to approach him. God gives us his, his ritual for worship, if you want to call it that. God tells us what's acceptable in his sight, in his holiness. See, we can't be out running with the world Monday through Saturday and come in here and lift our hands to God and think that that's going to be okay with him. He's going to throw up and maybe throw out. So it says in Exodus 9, now listen, I want, you to, I want you to get the contrast here. This is very important. On the morning of the third day, this is back in Exodus, after the two months. See, God had told, also told Moses, he said, I want you to tell the people to consecrate themselves before they even come to the perimeter of the mountain. Get yourself clean. Get rid of stuff. And then it said, on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountains. Listen to this. There was a loud, loud blast from a ram's horn. And all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like a smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. Now let me tell you, if you're standing in front of Mount Mitchell, and all of a sudden you're hearing shofars blowing, clouds and smoke and fire, and the whole mountain begins to do this, what are you going to do? Faint? <laughs> Fall on your face, right. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai. He hadn't got there yet. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, so Moses climbed the mountain. And we know the rest of the story. So now we're jumping over into Hebrews 12. Now, let's, you say, well, let me, let me back Hebrews 12, 1. I don't have this up there, I don't think. The first thing it says in Hebrews 12, 1 is that we need to get rid of these little sins, besetting sins. Well, he's talking about this consecration, this setting ourselves aside so that we can approach God because, you know, our iniquities are going to separate us from God, right? Our sins are going to separate us. And so then we jump down to verse 12, verse 18, excuse me. So here the author of Hebrews is making a comparison. For we are not coming as Moses did to a physical mountain with this burning fire, thick clouds of darkness and gloom, and with a raging whirlwind. We are not those who are being warned by the jarring blast of a trumpet and the thundering voice, a fearful voice, that they had begged to be silent. 
See, the people said, Moses, we don't want to hear from God. We'll just listen to you. Okay? They couldn't handle God's command that said, if so much as an animal approaches the mountain, it's to be stoned to death. The astounding phenomena Moses witnessed caused him to shudder with fear, and he could only say, I am trembling in terror. This was Moses. Now, by contrast, this is important. See, that was the old way. By contrast, this is why we should be so thankful. We have already come near to God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm, the heavenly realm. For we have entered the city of the living God, which is in New Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festal gathering of myriad of angels in their joyous celebration. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, by the way. I've ministered on that before. You know what a festal shout is? It's a war cry shout. It says, and as members of the church of the firstborn, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. And we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have made, been made perfect in his eyes. And we have come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat, blood that continues to speak from heaven. Forgiveness, grace, mercy, a better message than Abel's blood that cried from the earth, justice. It says, make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. How? Through his son. See, God, the same God that was on the Mount Sinai is now speaking to us through his son. Those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? How appropriate this is in the day that we're living in. God is speaking to the church. He's speaking He's speaking warnings to us to draw the line, to not compromise, to walk in holiness. And then it says, Then the earth was rocked at the sound of his voice in the mountains, but now he has promised, Once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. We understand what's, we understand, why? Because we have been given authority. We, he speaks through us. We speak his word. We shake the, the heavens, the darkness, the evil, and we can, we can realign what's going on over our cities and over our nation by the word of God that speaks through us. Now, the, this is important. Once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the powers in the heavenly realm. Now, this phrase, once and for all, clearly, indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only what is unshakable will remain. Let me tell you, that's what that prophecy from Kent Christmas was basically. He's shaking the church. Only those who are really really adhering to the word, to truth, to holiness are going to remain. And we, it, it, there's no room for compromise any longer. No room. This brings us to our primary text, verse 28. And I want to read this out of the, well, this is the Passion, but I want to give it to you out of the Passion. Verse 28 says, Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his, hearts, his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe, for our God is a holy, devouring, consuming fire. That's the word of the Lord. So the kingdoms of the world may be shaking, but the kingdom of God is firm and strong. And, we, you know, why did God tell us war with the word? Because the word is unshakable. The word is forever settled in the heavens. The word never returns void. That's why we war with the word. The war is really the communication, the currency for the kingdom. 
The word is how we exchange with God for the kingdom. And that word unshakable means not to be moved, weakened, or shaken. Unshakable means it's not possible to be weakened or removed. It's not possible. So we can justify all we want to killing babies. God's word says it's an abomination. We can't remove that word because that word is fixed. That word is truth. When he says it brings a curse on the land, we're not going to change that word because our culture is now saying it's acceptable. Do we understand? You understand. I know you do. But we've got to stand strong with what the word of God says. What is it? What line won't you cross? That's something we all have to decide. When the word is no longer deemed important in our nation, the foundations of our nation begin to crumble. When the word was deemed no longer important, many believers never read the word. Many pastors don't believe it's the inerrant word of God today. Over 50% don't believe that this is the inerrant word of God. Many people don't think the Holy Spirit's important. You're wondering, what Bible are they reading? Last week I ministered on the sifting process that we go through as Christians. Sifting. Everything is going to be shaken. You and I are going to be shaken. You know, it tells us also in, in Hebrews and all through the Bible that we should, we should be delighted that God is bringing this change about in our life because it shows he loves us. He disciplines us because we're his children, and a father only disciplines children because he loves them. We say it all the time in Luke 4.18, which is starting Wednesday, by the way. And I suggest all of you be here on Wednesday. As a staff, we decided that was a great way to start our year. And we as a staff, there's some things we might have to get out of our life that maybe just kind of lie hidden sometimes. So we'll be starting Wednesday at 6.30. But we have to allow the shaking and the sifting process to take place because we want to be one that's qualified and ready when God says, I need somebody to go. I need somebody to, to shake a city. I need somebody to, to reach the lost. You know, a long time ago, uh, just think of, have you, is anyone in here, maybe you don't remember this, or maybe this is not you, but anyone in here ever remember back in high school, maybe somebody hurt your feelings or, or, or broke up with you or whatever it was, and you, and you every now and then, when you think about that person, you go, mm, like that. And if you go, and you, if you're ever invited to a school reunion, you're thinking, well, I hope they're not there. You know, and this might have happened 50 years ago, 40 years ago. Well, what happens, though, if God says all of a sudden this person moves across the street from you? And God is saying, I want you to go minister to that person. And you're thinking, I'm, let them go to hell, Father. I don't care. Because I remember, don't you know what they did to me back in 1965? Don't you know what they said about me? But see, that unforgiveness in our heart prohibits us from allowing the Spirit of God to move through us because that might be that person's opportunity to go to life eternal with God. So we have to get rid, we have to allow God to sift and shake and move these things out of our lives. So how do we respond? The scripture is very clear on how we respond. It says we are to be extremely thankful. Extremely thankful. I wrestled with whether I was going to do this or not, but in Romans chapter 1, it tells us what happens when people aren't thankful. It tells us what happens. You, I'm not going to bring it. You, go, you read it. It tells you exactly what happens when people are not thankful and they do not honor God. It's sad. It's really sad. But it's what's going on in our nation today. You can look at every one of those characteristics. It's what's going on in our nation today. So we need to be thankful. That word is the word kairos in 
the Greek, it means to appreciate or to rejoice. It's joy because we understand that we've taken hold of something. In the midst of the trial, we've got something to hold on to. We've got to keep God's word's not going to change when you get a bad diagnosis. See, God's word is still the same when our nation looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. God's word is still truthful, and we don't have to doubt it. When somebody walks in and tells you you've lost your job, God's word is still the same. He says, I'm the Lord God that provides all of your needs. Heal all of your sickness. Provide all of your need. See, that's, we don't have to be shaking in this world of uncertainty because we have an unshakable kingdom. So we need to be thankful. We do not belong to a kingdom that our, that our life depends upon who's sitting in the White House or in the governor's house or the mayor's office up here. Because we belong, to a, we belong to a kingdom where the king of kings is sitting on the throne. And that's how we have to, we have to look at it. So we need to be thankful. And we're, when we're thankful, we don't fear because we know we're children of God. We know we're children of God and we're stable in his kingdom. I was thinking about our little um, Callie. You know, she's our rescue dog. We've had her now not quite, just almost two years. Complete difference in that dog. Complete difference. She hurt her leg Friday, and so we had to take her to the vet yesterday. And it was interesting. She didn't, as you know, now they don't let you go into the vet at all. You have to bring your dog, and they take it in. And so the whole time, I'm the the guy is taking Callie. She's back like this, looking at me, like, "Mama, you coming? You coming?" And I walked to the door with her. My heart, I was crying, and she was she was fine. <laughs> he said, "She's going to be okay. She's going to be okay." And so, but. But when she came back, what did she? She ran right to me and tried to jump up in my arms because she knew where her safety and her security is. See, that's the way we should be as children. Regardless of what's going on in the world, we run to God. We, we know that we have safety and security in Him. So we need to be thankful. Secondly, we need to worship. It says that we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship. Now, this is not coming in here singing songs this morning. That's not what that word even means. That's not, it's the word latrevo, and it means it's all about service. It's all about what we do to serve God. It's, it's about servitude. It's laying down our lives in absolute surrender, total and complete surrender to God. That means we have no other agenda. We have no other culture other than what the kingdom of God's culture is. Amen. We forget that worship means service sometimes, and, and those who serve God are the ones that's completely surrendered in their dreams and their goals and, and whatever their life plans are. God, I might want to go this direction, but I'm really committed to you. I might want to buy this property or buy this new car or start this new job or new business, but God, what do you want me to do? Where can I be most useful in your kingdom? And we have to be totally and completely surrendered to him. Totally and completely. And then it says, not only that, but we're in absolute surrender filled with awe. That word awe is reverential fear, respect, and honor. I want to ask you, how do we honor God? As a corporate body, how do we honor God? We let him have his way. As individuals, how do we honor God? Well, 2 Corinthians 10, 31 says, all we do, we do to glorify God. So we honor him with our time and our service. What are we doing with our time? We talked in, in prayer last night about God has told a couple of us that we need to get off the phones and get off the computers a little bit and spend more time serving 
studying, praying, whatever it might be that God has for each of us. We have to work it all out ourselves, right? It's not the same for me as it is for somebody else. But, you know, the average time spent in front of a screen is about eight hours a day. The average time in front of a screen is eight hours, 7.6 hours or something like that a day. Now, that was a couple of years ago. I bet it's even more today. How much time do our kids spend on these games, on these their phones, you know, we, our grandkids come over. I have to say, can we just, can we, uh, can we just talk? <laughs> you know, uh, I, what was it? I asked Sawyer one day, we were, at, we were at the dinner table and he was doing something. I said, Sawyer, can we just meet? And he said, well, I'm here. I'll come to see. <laughs> he didn't understand. I said, no, I'm talking about, can we meet face to face? Can we talk? Can we, you know, can we share with each other? I haven't seen you in, you know, whatever. And he, you know, he put his, of course he put his phone up. But what do we do with our time and our, what about our finances? Proverbs 3, 9 says, with our wealth and our first fruits, we're supposed to honor God, right? So what do we do with our finances? What about our words? Colossians three seventeen says, whatever we do in word or deed is to bring honor to God. What does that mean? Do we gossip? Do we backbite? Do we criticize? Do we say things that are not nice? Coarse jesting, dirty jokes, I believe Ephesians calls them in some translations. What do we do with those things? What about with our bodies? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says we were bought with a price. Don't we know that this body belongs to God? Do we, over, do we abuse it? Do we overeat it? Overfeed it? <laughs> overfeed it? Do we allow it to lay around and get fat and sloppy? I'm not looking at anybody but me. I gained four pounds last week. They're coming off this week, I can guarantee you. That's what the beach will do for you. But what are we doing? Do we, cut our, do we cut our mission short because we're not taking care of our bodies? Do we violate just natural laws that could, could abort our mission and, and what God's wanting for us to do? Do we do that? So we're given, we're told what we can do to become a part of God's unshakable kingdom. And there's three things, and I just want to reemphasize these three things. Number one is you answer the call to total commitment and surrender to Jesus. You have to answer the call to total commitment. I want to ask you, how many of us have answered that call? In Luke 9.23, he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily and follow me. How easy is that? He says, if you don't take up your cross, you're not even worthy to be my disciple. I mean, this is coming from Jesus. You say, well, God, that's not politically correct. That's not, don't you know you're going to offend someone? Those little powder puffs that we need to take care of, you know? No, he said, if you don't bear your cross, you're not worthy. He said, a person who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy. Jesus was not politically correct, let me tell you. He was kingdom correct. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. Clear. And he, nobody can come to him and say, well, let's renegotiate some of these rules. No, if you love me, you obey me. If you don't love me, he said, those who love me will obey me. So if we're not obeying him, what we're saying is we don't love him. But God, don't you know that this is really the big thing in this culture today? It's okay, maybe it's okay. We'll just shack up or we'll just kill babies or we'll just become gay or have our gender changed. And all this stuff that the Bible says is an abomination that you're going to go to hell for, clearly. He said, well, maybe we should renegotiate this because I know it's a tough time. That's not what he says. He says all these people that practice these things will be, have their, lot, their time in the fire of hell. That's what he says. 
You wish you could change the word? Matthew 7, 24 says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Well, it's the word of God. He's going back. Philippians 2, you say, well, this is just too hard, God. It's too hard. But let me tell you, Philippians 2, 13 promises this. Whatever God has said for us to do, it says God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do it. If God says live holy, holy life, excuse me, he's given you the desire to live a holy life, but he's also given you the power to live that holy life. God, you just don't know how it is today. It's just so much pressure. God has given you the If you want to do it, God will give you the power to do it. If you want to abstain from certain sins of the flesh, God's going to give you the power to do it. It's our choice, right? It's our choice. It's that simple. I want to read this Hebrews 12. One says, we've been surrounded by such a great crowd, a cloud of uh, witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. See, that's what the awesome thing about God. Holy Spirit talks to you individually. He's not going to come to me and say, well, you know, this is what Lori needs to do. No. He's going to go to Lori and say, Lori, you really need to work on this. You need, maybe you've got an unforgiving heart. Or maybe you're still holding on to something. You know, maybe there's a little bitterness still there from that guy in 1965 that hurt your feelings. <laughs> we need to let go of things. So it's called God's prevenient grace. See, God always initiates everything first. He initiates it, and then he gives us the power to do it. So number one is we have to answer the call to total commitment. Number two, we have to be able to discern the real enemy. We have to be able to discern between the two kingdoms. 1 Peter 5 eight says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, who's the God of the world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the gospel. That's what the Word of God tells us. So we have to be able to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong, what is evil and what is good. And if we don't understand the Word and we haven't had the the Spirit of God in us, if we haven't been born again by the Spirit of God, we're going to look at this Word and we're going to start compromising. We're going to think it's okay to do these things. It's okay to put people in office who, who kill babies and pass all these crazy laws. It's okay to do that. We've got to decide which side we are on. God's side. It's not about one political party. It's about God's side or the devil's side. It's that clear, guys. It's that clear. It's that clear. And you know what the enemy will do? He will entice us with little tiny morsels. He'll offer you this to get you to compromise because he's really after the big picture. I'm going to send you your check. I'm going to make it better for you. Let's just go ahead and put this in. Can you believe the last check that everybody got that was so much, many millions of dollars went to study transgenderism in another nation when we have people here that are starving and losing businesses? We need right people making decisions, guys. Both sides. It's not just one side. Let me tell you, it's both sides. Both sides. Don't start getting one side or against the other. But let me ask us, what price will we sell out? I'll give you this if you'll just give me that. That's what the devil does. I'll give you this if you'll give me that. I'll promise you this if you will sign this or agree with this or vote for this person, whatever party it might be. So we have to know the difference between good and evil. Thirdly, we have to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Ephesians 5.18 tells us that we are to be filled with the Spirit. We are to be filled, be, be being filled is actually how it's written in the Greek. Continuously being filled with the Spirit. We're going to be filled with one Spirit or another. 
It's going to be the spirit of God or the spirit of the world. You're going to be filled with one or the other. We're going to worship something. Because we, we have this thing in our heart that's called a vacuum or a hole that God put there for himself. And if he's not there, we're going to go after something else. Whatever it might be. Whether it's Hollywood or, or money or, or sports or whatever, whatever it might be. The devil knows which buttons to push. Food, whatever it might be. But the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 26 tells us that we can pray the perfect will of God by praying in the Spirit. 1 John uh, 5 tells us that because we pray, you, I say this all the time, you know you should have it by now, that because we pray what we know is His will, we know He's going to hear us. So if we're praying in the Holy Ghost, we're the perfect will of God, we know God's going to give us His will, right? And let me tell you something, this is where we get messed up is we get mad and angry and confused because we're praying God we want righteous government and he doesn't do it the way we want it done. So we get angry and we get confused and we get mad and we start accusing this person, accusing that person. God is still, his word is still truth. He wants righteous government. Let's let him do it the way he's got. We just keep praying. We keep seeking God. We keep walking in holiness. And then we trust God is still going to do what his word says he's going to do. And then we don't hate each other and have divisions in the church and division in our nation. And we, de- and we decide we're going to walk in obedience to what God wants us to do and love each other as much as lies within us. As much as li- We're at peace as much as lies within us. Sometimes you just got to say, we're done, right? Love them and leave them. What are some signs that we're not a part of God's unshakable kingdom? These are some signs, fear and anxiety. If we're consumed with fear and anxiety, depression and confusion, we are not in the kingdom, unshakable kingdom of God. No victory. We walk in bondage to sin. We compromise. We justify sins. We justify this sin this big for a little tiny sin or some benefit here. Because that's what's going to get me what I want. No victory. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. See, God has a way to meet every need that we have in this nation. But it's in his kingdom. We don't have to compromise. We don't have to sacrifice. We don't have to murder, steal, riot, and loot. We can follow the word of God. I want to ask us, have we drawn the line yet? Let's stand, if you will. I've also given you some scriptures to strengthen your heart. Now, I'm not sitting up here saying we don't go through times of of stress and difficulty. We do. But where do we run? Do we go to God? Do we go to his beautiful name that we sang about earlier? Do we go to Jehovah Shalom? Or do we start pulling out the pill? i got to have this pill for this anxiety and depression that I'm going through. Do we do that? Do we go to Jehovah Jireh when we have needs? Do we go to Jehovah Rapha when we're sick in our body? Do Do we do that? Or do we just we grab hold of what the answer from the world is? And I'm not saying that sometimes God, you know, we know God uses doctors. He uses psychiatrists, psychologists. We know that. I'm not making light of that. But who do we run to first? You've been reading this week, and while I'm reading in Kings, so I'm reading chronologically through the Kings, but 
How many times Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet here that, that can hear from God? What do we, we run to the world's prophets. Is there not a prophet that really is hearing from God that I can listen to? There might have been 400 of the others. There's one for God. But that's all that was necessary. That's all that was necessary. Let me tell you, there'll be lying spirits put in the mouth of prophets in this time that we're living in. You better know the difference. We better feel in our heart. We better know the difference when somebody says, thus says the Lord. First thing is, does it agree with this right here? Does it agree with the Word of God? Or are they building a platform, selling a book, trying to get a promotion? We need to ask those questions. So God, I just lift before us these people. All right, us, Lord. We're your people. We're your children. God, and we see so many things around us that are shaking. Our security in many cases, our finances, our future, our retirement, our pensions, our health, Lord. There's all kind of rumors about what's going to be happening here and happening there, Lord. And God, we just stand before you in your unshakable kingdom that says you're the Lord God who provides. The unshakable kingdom where Psalm 91 is there, Lord, that we can look to you, that you hide us, Lord, in the shadow of the Almighty. That a thousand will fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but God, we know we're not going to be taken down. Where we know, Lord, that because we love you, that you said you're going to hear our cries. You're going to answer our prayers. God, I'm so thankful that the that you're coming after our children and our grandchildren, Lord. You're not going to allow them to be lost to this evil world. You're not going to allow the evil influences of this world to rule and reign in their lives. We break the power of the enemy over them. We call them in in Jesus' mighty name. Now we've got to take your hands off the children of God. We in our household will be saved. God, we've dedicated many children in this place. It may not be looking like they're serving you, but God is temporary. God, I know you've got your angels out there. You're on their case. And I know, God, you're dealing with their heart and you're visiting them in the night. And God, I thank you for the prayers of the moms and the dads and the grandparents. God, you're hearing those prayers because it's your will, Lord. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this great nation, Father God, that we are one nation under, under God and we will remain that way, that every evil plot of the enemy will be exposed. God, that the enemy will hang on his own gallows, the deceit, the deception, the evil, the perversion. God, I thank you for righteous judges, righteous politicians, righteous governors, Lord. Let's quit calling them party. Let's just call them righteous and unrighteous. God, and it looks like it's overwhelmingly the majority for unrighteousness right now. But God, but God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. You have promised your word never returns void. And God, we hold you to your word. We hold to that word. God, I pray blessing upon every person here today. I pray healing, health, prosperity. I pray that your face would shine upon every person here, that witty inventions would follow them. God, I thank you for all you've done and all you continue to do in our lives. I thank you, Father God, in the midst of all this chaos, you have blessed us so much in so many ways. I thank you, Father. And God, we just trust you. It may not look like we want it to look like, but just as Jehoshaphat said, God, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. We're looking to you. And you said, believe the prophets. Believe that true voice and said, you will succeed and you will prosper. God, we thank you for the word. And Lord, we just give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for your presence today. 
Thank you, Lord, for being with those who could not be with us because of sickness. Thank you, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Okay. Be blessed.